Blog Talk Radio. This is all about wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235 and let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. <laughs> was our uh, was our haunted month, and we're back. It's November now, so no more haunted. But Mike played a lot of a lot of oldie but goodies. Uh, Had three good episodes on there: uh, Joy's Joy of Wine, Belvoir Winery, and Bunker Hill. Great guest, yeah. and uh, thank you very much. It was it was uh, very cool. I like that. Um, but uh, that was re- fun. Retire retire the haunted voice until next year. <laughs> Until next year, yeah. I, yeah, I found I found a neat thing uh, on uh, uh, Pinterest. I I discovered Pinterest. I, I didn't tell you that. I discovered Pinterest. <laughs> you no, know, I know Pinterest has been around forever. You know, I well not really forever, but Pinterest has been around for a lot. And I, I've been a member of Pinterest, a subscriber to Pinterest for a long time now. And I always thought Pinterest was nothing but just recipes and, you know, things that, you know, you, you talking about clothing and, and, you know, just right. a, a, a female type site where they exchange right. recipes and do stuff like that. My daughter's always talking about Pinterest and how much she loves it. And, and you know, uh, and the wife always, every once in a while, will say, oh, I got this off of Pinterest, you know, a recipe or something. And that's what I thought it was. Well, I got an, I keep getting emails off and on from Pinterest and all that. So I clicked on it the other day. I was sitting and waiting somewhere. And, oh, I, I was had to go to the, the clinic, and I didn't have an appointment, so I had lots of time to kill. So I'm sitting there playing with my phone. I go on to Pinterest. And oh my gosh, this has got so many other things on Pinterest besides recipes. I mean, it's just like, oh, geez, look at this. I mean, it's just, I, I was really surprised and amazed. Uh, but the reason I brought that up is because I saw, once you click on something, it starts giving you a whole bunch of stuff along that category. And I uh, there was a a chart there that showed what the symbols mean are the uh, little statues and symbols on cemetery stones and grave uh, gravestones and stuff. And you mm-hmm. mentioned having Joy's Joy of Wine, where Joy also has a blog that is a uh, grave interest, of which mm-hmm. you and her, you know, talked about quite a bit uh, on one of the shows. 
And uh, but Pinterest, <coughs> excuse me, Pinterest has uh, <coughs> excuse me, Pinterest has uh, this little chart there, and I clicked on this chart, and it's really cool. And then they had all this other stuff relating to cemeteries and stuff on there, and I just I just thought that was just so fascinating. I I just I, I spent a lot of time yesterday, I guess it was, sitting there and going around Pinterest and looking at other stuff besides just recipes. I mean, they've got just an unbelievable amount of different charts and different things and all that. So, you know, if you have not discovered that part of Pinterest, by all means, check it out because I, I would just amazed, uh, totally amazed at what it had, uh, what it had to offer, and what was there, and all that. So, but a lot of stuff about um, cemeteries and the emblems, and you know what they mean, and all sorts of different. The, most of them are just charts, like you know, great big, like uh, poster type things. But uh, it was cool. So, I don't know. It's uh, I discovered a whole new thing there with with the different aspects of Pinterest. Uh, it's not just for recipes. So, but, you know, yeah. enough of that. Uh, we're back after, you know, having a scattered November, or October, rather. We're back November. My turn. <coughs> Boy, my throat is. <clears throat> Excuse me again. Um, Mike and I were talking before the show about the fire that's going on out in California. The Chico Fire, I guess they're calling it the Chico Fire. And it's like, oh, my gosh, it is just unbelievable what, what's happening with that thing. It went from like 800 acres up to 18,000 acres in a matter of a couple of hours. Uh, caught people in, in their homes. It, the schools couldn't get evacuated and all sorts of stuff. And the fire is going, the, the the smoke is blowing southwest, uh, south-southwest. Chico is north-northeast of San Francisco, north of Sacramento, so I'll give you an idea of where it is. But uh, pretty nasty fire, and, it, you know, we're all about wine. I was checking it out to see where it was and all that. It's not going to affect, I don't think it's going to affect any of the grapevines as of right now. There are some vineyards up there, and if it does get around it, I think it's just going to burn the vineyards right down to the ground. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any, um, anything's going to stop it. Oh, here's an even closer map, so this is good. Butte County Towns of Paradise, Polga, I think it's pronounced, in Concal, were evacuated shortly after the fire started. So the it's a campfire fire. Uh, right off of uh, State Road 70 in California, uh, North California, uh, which is actually east, as far as east of Chico, and Chico's the bigger town there. But I don't think it's going to affect any vineyards. And the smoke, a lot of smoke, but I don't think the smoke's going to affect anything because everything harvested. And the smoke taint in grapes comes from being in the grapes. And so... The fire itself is, unless it hits a a vineyard and burns it up, I don't think it's going to affect grapevines at all on this fire. But boy, this is just an enormous fire, just a, a scary big fire there. Uh, campfire got out of control and 
and they're calling what they the campfire. What did they call it? The campfire near Chico. I think it's just a Chico fire is what they're saying right now. Oh. It sounded like you needed that. Ah, thank you. That yeah, was. Oh man. <clears throat> yes. No, go ahead. It was your engineer. Uh, oh. no, I, yeah, she, she just came in there. So. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> um. So the, yeah, nasty, nasty fire. We'll keep an eye on it and uh, see what's happening. But uh, uh, Mike found. Uh, if you want to check out some good videos and stuff, go to sfchronicle.com. That's the San Francisco Chronicle newspaper. And there's a lot of videos and big article and everything on it there. So a good site to keep up on it. I looked on the fire burning site that I referred to, and it didn't have any up-to-dates on that. That's how new and how fast this thing is. So... Hmm. Nasty, nasty. There's a smoke advisory issue for the entire San Francisco Bay Area, though, uh, because of the way the smoke's coming in. Oh, engineer just brought me in. I was coughing and, and clearing my throat, and she brought me in a bottle of wine and a glass, and she goes, here, you need this. And what it is tonight is a Thinka Los Mazas. I think it's Mazas, M-A-Z-A, Mazas. Reserva. 2015 Malbec, Argentina from Mendoza, uh, Argentina Malbec. It says on the back, Yuko, uh, UCO, I think it's Yuko. Yuko Valley is situated in Argentina, Mendoza, between 33 degrees uh, 5 seconds and 35 degrees south latitude in the foothills of the Andes Mountains. This valley's warm, shiny days and cool nights are a key factor in allowing the grapes to uh, generate and store all the elements which are vital in creating this wine, which exhibits great personality and unique character. So a Malbec. I like a Malbec. That's why I picked the thing up. I can't remember how much. I think it was like twelve, thirteen dollars. I can't remember. But having a Malbec tonight. To, to go along with Mike's strawberry port. So. Mm-hmm. Very good. <laughs> hmm. Oh, that Melbeck could be good with some chocolate also. You were talking about that, pairing wine yeah. and chocolate before the show. It's, it's very good, too. So, okay. Now let's uh, let's see what we got on... Wow, we we missed some stuff here. But did you know that Monday was National Donut Day? Anybody get donuts on last Monday? Not this coming, but last. You missed it. So National Donut Day last Monday. Today is National Cappuccino Day. Uh, tomorrow, National Greek Yogurt Day. I, and if you look at the store, if you start looking down the aisles of all the yogurts there, I think every one of them are Greek. I... <laughs> I'm serious. Engineer said, pick up some, you know, pick up some Greek yogurt. And I go, okay. So I'm sitting there looking, and every single one of them is Greek yogurt. I mean, so, you know, well. So tomorrow, National Greek Yogurt Day. Saturday, National Vanilla Cupcake Day. There you go. Open up 
a bottle of, of uh, white, white wine, have it with your vanilla cupcake. That That's a good combo there. Sunday, National Sunday Day. That's as in ice cream, Sunday Day. And also Sunday, Veterans Day. So, you know, if you see a veteran, hug a veteran, thank them for their service. Uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, I'm... I'm a fan of veterans since I am one. So, uh, you know, let them, let them know you uh, you support them. Monday, National Tongue Twister Day, and Veterans Day will be observed on Monday. So uh, there'll be parades and different things going on then. Most of the time, there's different restaurants that give a free meal to veterans on Veterans Day. Since it's being observed on Monday, I wonder if they're going to give the free meal on Sunday or Monday. Hmm. Don't know about that. Or both days. There you go. The 13th, which is Tuesday, National Indian Pudding Day. Indian pudding. What is Indian pudding as opposed to other puddings? I don't know. Uh, The 14th, Wednesday, National Guacamole Day. And it's also National Pickle Appreciation Day. So many types of pickles. Oh, for those of you out there who don't know, pickles are made from cucumbers. That's how you get a pickle. You, you know, your different pickles are made from cucumbers. So, uh, if uh, I'm surprised a number of people don't realize that a pickle is a, actually a cucumber. And then next Thursday, before the show, you can have yourself a National Bunt Day as in Bunt Cake, and also National Raisin Bran Cereal Day. And the 15th is also National Clean Out Your Refrigerator Day. Um, And I didn't get a chance to tell you, November, World Vegan Month, National Fun with Fondue Month, National Peanut Butter Lovers Month, National Stuffing Month, which makes sense, National Raisin Bread Month, National Pepper Month, and National Georgia Pecan Month, as opposed to California Pecan, National Georgia Pecan Month. So there you go. That's our our food pairings with whatever wine you choose. If you happen to find yourself a, a, a really, really good combo, let me know. You know, email me or, or call or Facebook it or something. Let me know if you find a good combo of wine and food. Uh, Mike discovered a good combo. He was telling me about he chilled some <laughs> wine and found some chocolate and had it together and oh. sat around and it was good. Got fat and sassy. Yeah, it is. That's you know, right. Wine and wine and chocolate. Good combination. I was at the winery one day and I had a. It was it was in the winter because it got dark so quick. And I had a young lady come in. And uh, I, I say young lady. She was in her upper 20s, and which is young for me, so I, I guess that applies. But she came in, and we were tasting wines and all that. This was back when I still had some of the Chilean wines in the, in the winery. She pulled out this little tin box and opened it up, and she had chocolates in the tin box. Uh, not chocolate bars or chocolate, but she had, you know, like hunks of chocolate in this tin box. And she had a, a little chart and had the chocolates folded up 
and so that you can go out and you can see what they were. And very good chocolate. She got them at a chocolatier's and very good chocolate. And she shared those little slivers with me as we had the red wines and some of the whites. And she had a chocolate that she said goes right, great with the Chardonnay. It was fun. She and I sat there. It was Again, it was on a winter night, so it was dark by 5 o'clock, and she came in right around there. And for the last hour before we closed, we were pairing chocolate and wine and talking about the different possibilities and all that. So if you have not had chocolate and wine combos, then do it. It is, without question, a great, great combination there. So... Uh, well, you, you mentioned Indian pudding, and yes. it's uh, also known as Native American pudding. Uh, it is a oh. baked baked custard with milk, butter, molasses, eggs, spices, and cornmeal. This is from Simply Recipes, and the name is likely derived from the cornmeal, which is known as Indian meal way back when. So those are the, uh, and they show it with ice cream on it, and it looks delicious. I don't know what it would taste like, but it looks great. Yeah, and uh, melted vanilla pudding. ice cream on it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, milk, butter, molasses, eggs, spices, spices, and cornmeal. So yeah, I can see everything with that cornmeal. Yeah, that's. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Never heard of it before. I have to go on it's Pinterest good. and find the recipe. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's in there. Uh, traditional American Indian pudding, um, and it says that few desserts look so completely unappetizing yet taste so incredibly good. And there you go. Uh, <laughs> there you go. It, it's lumpy brown mush with a dab of vanilla ice cream. Huh. Uh, you know, when I said yeah. Indian, I immediately thought East Indian. I didn't think American. That's what Indian. I thought. Yeah. Then I then yeah. I looked at it and it said, oh. Was, uh, oh, okay. This is Indian, in, like India, Indian. It's you know Native yeah. American. So. Yeah, I, yeah. Um, that's I'm just Indian and Indian. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's interesting. There's a ton of ingredients. Uh, yes, you have to be a chemist. Well, there you go. You have to be a chemist to figure this one out. So there you go. There, perfect. Yeah, there you go. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've never heard of it. Anybody out there ever had it? Let us know. You know. And they'll probably say, oh, it's fantastic, you know, and so we'll have to we'll have to make some. Uh, <laughs> well, good. Thank you. We've got some events coming up. Walt's Vineyard. Uh, let's see. Here we go. Uh, Walt's Vineyard, which is located in... Uh, Mannheim, Pennsylvania. We've talked about Walls Vineyard before. Uh, if you haven't heard me talk about it, then there's all sorts of stuff going on there. 717 664 9463 at www.wallsvineyards.com. Info at wallsvineyards.com if you want to email them. 2018 Moscato. Enough said. That's what they said on their website. New release. 2018 Moscato. Enough said. It is 
uh, wine pairing dinner with Glen Rock Mill Inn and Walsh Vineyards is coming up. It is Tuesday, November 20th. So you've got a little bit of advance notice on that. So if you live up in the Pennsylvania area, it's uh, feature pass hors d'oeuvres and a five-course seated pairing dinner highlighting a Lancaster, a Lancaster County food theme and Walsh Vineyard Estate wines. It is 715 dinner settings, 630 hors d'oeuvres. Uh, to, to reserve for your dinner or an overnight stay, you can call them again, 235-5918. That's 717 area code. Uh, the hors d'oeuvres will be pickled red beet deviled eggs, scrapple toast, points, grape jelly, and sweet bologna, um, bologna chips and mustard creams cheese served with Walsh Vineyard Sauvignon Blanc. They will have oyster pot pie with their Walsh Vineyard Simeon, grilled lobster tail, and Chesapeake crab imperial with Chardonnay, Walsh Vineyards, of course, reserve Chardonnay. Chef surprise course, doesn't say what that is, but that will be paired with the Walsh Vineyard Stegel Rosé. And then, not done yet, they have prime Berkshire pork ribeye, house-made apple butter rub, spetzel, whatever that is, and seasonal vegetables served with Walsh Vineyard Baron Red. And to finish it off, chocolate shoe fly pie with fastener chips or crisp and a Walsh Vineyard Crow Woods Cabernet. $75 plus tax and gratuities. And uh, beautiful place. They have a picture of the of the cafeteria area and the seating area and all that beautiful place so if you're in that area it sounds like a great meal with some good pairings and stuff and that's a good chance to pair some stuff so uh going to be chilly wear a jacket cold fronts moving through there but it should hit you real strong there so walsh vineyards uh is uh having their thing on the 20th delmonico winery and vineyards uh, Delmonico Winery and Vineyards. Okay, come on, pop up on me here. Uh, view this email and it's not coming. Okay, there we go. Delmonico's 10th anniversary is coming up on five days left for their 10th anniversary. Uh, the Conductor's Blend is here. Officially uh, in November, that means their anniversary month. Celebrating it, uh, first thing, I'd like to share a new wine, which is inspired by the true essence of the delightful wine train ride. It's a blended dry red, and uh, it uh, doesn't say anything more about it. Hmm. Sneak peek. Second, Delmonico Spotlight Anniversary Special is the third. When does this email come out? Jeez, it seems like it's been there for a while. Um, it hasn't been. It's brand new. Anniversary is on the 10th of this month. They uh, are they can ship to members. Uh, 
And let's see, I'm trying to sort through what they have. Uh, the Bordeaux Room 25 maximum seating uh, for a meal coming up. The Tuscany Room 60 maximum seating. Champagne Room 50 maximum seating. And the Grand Bella Room 300 maximum seating. Oh my gosh. Uh, they've got enormous areas um, to seat. They have mulled wine season. Upcoming events is their 10th anniversary wine fest, which is the 10th free admission. And uh, we have tastings the 29th at 6 to 8, wine and design. And then, uh, yeah, I don't say anything else. Want to get a hold of them? All of them. Delmonico Winery. You can go on Facebook or Twitter or Pinterest or any of these and check them out. Uh, they got all sorts of stuff going on. They are located in Baxter, Tennessee. Delmonico Winery and Vineyards at 600 Lance Drive in Baxter, Tennessee. DelmonicoWinery.com. Phone number 931-858-1177. Excuse me. So, Delmonico Winery. Uh, Haven't had them. Maybe they heard the show and they they sent me the email so I can tell them about it. That's good. Thank you if if you all did. I appreciate it. And let's see. What else? Well, none here. We can get out of these. And we can do that. And let's see if we have another one here. That, in fact, I know I do. I've got a couple other wineries that I can go to here. Let's see. Henry River. Here we are. Last Chance Wine Slushies. And a wine event, Henry River. We talked about Henry River a lot. They are located in Newberry, South Carolina. Henry River has the last week to enjoy their Henry uh, River music uh, coming up this Sunday. Uh, free admission, wine purchase is available. And the last week of wine slushies, $6 each. And so check them out if you are in the South Carolina area. Again, uh, Dusty Road, Newberry, South Carolina. Uh, it's uh, And then, I think we have others here. Pretty sure I have a couple more here. Uh, If I can find them. Hmm. I just had them here. Let's see. Well... The computer's taking time to find what I just clicked on. All right, there we go. Tablas Creek Vineyard. The uh, blog I told you about, Tablas Creek blog, uh, is up and running. It's a good blog. If you're not subscribing, you really should. It's just a lot of information. They're located in Sudbury, Massachusetts on uh, Boston Post Road. But uh, their blog is uh, talking about the calm before the or the calm uh, before the storms, 
and hopefully they're you know getting the winter storms up there in that area. Uh, they're seeding the vineyard and cleaning it up and getting all the stuff ready and they've got the wine in the barrels and uh, you've got the sheep in the vineyards eating all around and taking care of the all the stuff that's on the ground and they're all set for winter so uh, their blog talks about that again uh, subscribe to it that's it's a good blog. I, I enjoy reading this. Uh, they send it out. They don't flood you with it. Some wineries do flood you with stuff, but this one's really good. Blog, tab, uh, this is Tabas Creek Vineyard.com, and it's Tabas Creek Blog. So uh, check that out. And let's see, I got one more for you, I think. Uh, let me go back to this and see why that didn't pop up there. Hmm. So, all right, there we go. Oh, Whispering Oaks. Whispering Oaks always has something on. Whispering Oaks is located in uh, Florida, up just uh, well north of the Bay Area. They are located on Oxford, Florida. And you can... Whispering Oaks... Why, wait a minute. I always... Say the wrong email address. Let's see. It's Whispering Oaks Winery. Oh no, Wines of Florida. This is Wines of Florida. There you go. Winesofflorida.com, and that's your thing. They have a lot of stuff going on here. Taste room every day opens at eleven Tuesday through Sunday. Um, free tours around, which is always fun. They got a lot of stuff there to see. Uh, coming up. They have live music every Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. They have uh, flatbread you can purchase Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Uh, they have steak night live music on Friday and Saturday nights with a whole bunch of uh, good food there. And steak night special, buy any three bottles of wine and get your fourth one free. And November special, their Bogo Sangria. Buy one case and get a second case at no cost. So there you go. They're, they're Sassy Sangria. I've had that. Their Sangria is good. Uh, they actually bottle it and market it and everything. So it's uh, their Sangria is very good. So that is Whispering Oaks located in uh, Oxford, California. And I think that's it on the wineries. I'm pretty sure that's it on the wineries. Let me check and see if there's one hidden back here. No, there isn't. Okay, good. So that's it on the wineries uh, for this this week, since I haven't had a chance to tell you about them over the last few weeks. I saw a thing in Beverage Industry Magazine. I've quote a lot of stuff before on beverage industry but this one it was just one little page on well, one big page this is a big magazine alcohol preferences and trends uh, the uh, brewed for you lager beer is the most asked for it's 45% of people ask for lager and it still remains the top choice for Americans Amber L, 41%, and light fiber is sitting at 41%. Number one hard drink is vodka, 
followed at 62%, followed by tequila at 55%, and then 52% flavored vodka. So that surprised me. I thought rum would be up there in those, but not yet. They haven't caught up with it. The difference in uh, men and women, men, 45% choice is beer. Uh, 15% choice in men is wine, liquor, or uh, straight shots or something, 15%. And mixed drinks and cocktails, 19%. And then to round out the 100%, 6% had no opinion. Women, 18% only choose beer, 34%. Wine for women, 7% liquor or straight. Cocktails, 37% and 5% with no opinion. And last but certainly not least is wine. Uh, Americans make their preferences known for which red and which white they want. And number one is Chardonnay, as almost always is. 57% of those who chose chose Chardonnay as the go-to white wine. And the red wine, Zimadol and Merlot, both came in at 56%. So an interesting little thing there on, on those, uh, what they were doing. Speaking of Zimadol, a little bit of trivia for you here. Telling you a little bit about Zimadol and what it is. It's the color, it's a red wine. Not a white, not a pink, a red. Zimadol is actually a red grape and a red wine. California, I do believe, say red Zimadol and white Zimadol to distinguish between the two. People used to come in the winery and say, I love a Zimadol. And I'd pull out a red and i go, no, 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 it's not red. It's, it's been red. So distinguish it now. The Zimadol is the second leading red grape in the United States in terms of acres planted. Uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is first. Uh, Zimadol has been called America's grape, although the Prentivo, they've traced it back to that. The DNA is traced back to that. Uh, it is uh, no grape or wine anywhere in the world that is called Zimadol. It's only called that in the United States, but Prentivo is, they're saying, it's Zimadol. Uh, the ancestral home of, because of DNA testing, is Europe. Uh, for years, researchers thought that southern Italy was the most likely place, uh, but that's not true. They're finding that the home of Zimadol comes from the Dalmatian coast of Croatia. So it's, you know, the Primitivo is very popular in different parts of Spain, but it's actually from Croatia. Flavor, um, it says here, imagine a boysenberry pie oozing with thick fruit. And all over the middle and northern parts of California it comes from. Uh, it's a, a great go-to wine. Seven Deadly Zins, one of my favorite Zimadols, and Klein's Old Vine Zimadol. Those are two that you find on almost every shelf everywhere. And if you haven't tried them, by all means, it is it is worth the uh, the purchase price. Pick those up. Okay, now. Uh, Rising American wine regions to know. This is, I saw this and I thought, yeah, well, we've talked about different areas all around the country and different things. But this article is talking about the rising regions 
to to be aware of. And you know, we all know California, we all know Washington, Oregon, those those are the go-tos and those are the ones that are always there and those are the ones that everybody knows about, but there are other areas too. Virginia. And you know, we got partway through Virginia, talked to Virginia wineries, and I just haven't booked any others in a long time. It's been quite some time. I need to get back to start booking wineries and talking to them and getting them on the air. And it's after harvest and it's after season now, and everybody should be available. So we'll have to start trying to get some more people back on the program because, well, it's always fun to talk to people. But Virginia is a a big region. It falls among the top ten wine-producing states in the country in terms of production. It's... um, you know, thanks to Thomas Jefferson, he had quite a lot of vineyards in uh, Virginia, and he planted some of the first grapes on the East Coast uh, and cultivated them, uh, European grapes, uh, and cultivated them for more than 30 years. Uh, his home at uh, Monticello Vineyards uh, never really produced a single bottle, but uh, <laughs> surprisingly, uh, but he never did. He, he had the vineyards, but he never did. Um, in the ni- 1820s, uh, a lot of wine from the Norton grape were being planted and harvested in Virginia because it was immune to the uh, phylloxera disease that was ravaging Europe at the time. Uh, discovery in the 1800s that Vitus vinifera could be grafted uh, changed the whole landscape of it and it continued so until after the uh, prohibition the industry started to make more strides and in the 70s virginia wineries uh, barbersville vineyard waverly vineyard uh, were really well on the way to national prominence and national uh, uh recognition on that the uh, in 1976, the state was uh, the uh, Barbersville estate was purchased, and uh, the family, uh, new family from uh, uh, the area, bought it and brought in a Piedmont, Italy winemaker. And in the 1990s, it was reestablished in, with the original vineyard and better rootstock and clones. Uh, Barbersville now has 185 acres, an average of 37,000 cases uh, each year. They uh, make everything from a Vermentino, Pinot Grigio, uh, Falangia to a Cabernet Franc, a Nebbio, and the winery's flagship blend is called Octagon. So it's... Uh, uh, Barbersville and Virginia wines are really uh, up there. They they are really taken. There's uh, altogether Virginia has about three thousand eight hundred acres planted, uh, mostly in Chardonnay, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Grenier, and Petit Verdot. But they are also doing a lot of hybrids and native grapes: uh, Sauvignon Blanc, uh, Chambord, Verdot Blanc, Norton. And they are really 
starting to uh, explode on the wine market. Right now, there are over 300 wineries throughout the state of Virginia. Uh, Virginia has seven AVAs, American Viticulture Areas. We've talked about AVAs before. Uh, Virginia's Eastern Shore, it, uh, just where it says Monticello, which is uh, located in the Piedmont area of Central Virginia, that spans about 800,000 acres, and it's Thomas Jefferson's old um, stomping grounds, if you will. North Fork of Roanoke, uh, 22 miles uh, of the eastern slopes of Allegheny in western Virginia, uh, high elevation, so it creates a cooler climate. Northern Neck, George Washington birthplace area, which is located in the Tidewater region of eastern Virginia. Uh, Rocky Knob, 9,000 acre region on the eastern slopes of the Blue Ridge Mountains, which is astride the Blue Ridge Parkway. If you're taking the Blue Ridge Parkway, you can actually see quite a few vineyards or, uh, around this area, too. And there's, there's two wineries there. The Middleburg, Virginia located 50 miles west of Washington, D.C., and it covers approximately 190 square miles and about 229 acres of uh, vineyards, including 24 wineries in the area. Uh, 50 miles west of D.C., they're popular there. And Shenandoah Valley uh, is uh, also the last one. It is... Uh, bounded by the Blue Ridge Mountains to the east and the Appalachian and Allegheny Plateau to the west. Uh, 2.4 million acres, one of the largest AVAs in the country. And it's got about two dozen wineries in that region. So uh, an area that has absolutely exploded for wineries uh, in the last 20 years. An unbelievable amount of wineries. And we will have to go back and revisit them too. It's been a while. Another one, Virginia had long history of winemaking history, but Ohio has quite a heritage as well. It's uh, I've been to quite a few Ohio wineries, and it's it's really it's they are fantastic. Uh, the Pink Cat, a sweet rosé made from the Catawba grape, uh, it's uh, very popular. Flowing along the Ohio River in the mid-1800s, uh, the wines were sold throughout the United States and in Europe. So Ohio was the largest producer of wine in the United States by 1860. Uh, by the turn of the century, a handful could be found among the islands of Lake Erie in the north, but there remained a high concentration today around Lake Erie region. Uh, the Native American grape variety is still used to make wine, as well as, we all know, juices, jams, jellies. And uh, Catawba is, is very popular. The modern winemaking industry, though, in Ohio is focused on quality more so than just cranking out wines. They talk of the native varieties, but because of the cooler climate up by Lake Erie in Ohio, you have uh, Pinot Noir, Pinot Grigio, Dosetto, Gruno Wurtlinder, Riesling, and Chardonnay have all been planted with great success in that area. Ohio now has more than 300 wineries, uh, more than twice what existed just 
13, 14 years ago. Uh, in, nine, in 2005, uh, there was uh, you know less than 120 wineries there. Ohio has five AVAs in the state, American Viticulture Areas. The Lake Erie, uh, Lake Erie area, I said Erie and Erie at the same time, as a 2.2 million acre Lake Erie AVA located near Toledo, and it stretches south uh, along the shore and into Pennsylvania and also into Chautauqua County in New York. Uh, big, big one. Uh, a narrow district, but it stretches out a long ways. 24 wineries within the Ohio state lines in that AVA. Grand River Valley, located within the Lake Erie AVA. So here's an AVA in an AVA. Uh, Grand River Valley spans 125,000 acres and it has 19 wineries. Uh, just uh, Outside the bounds of the Grand River Valley AVA, there's another 14 wineries. So there's a lot of wineries in that area. Next one, Isle St. George. Uh, Isle St. George is a 640-acre AVA located on the North Bass Island, which is located near Sandusky. And uh, it's, it's interesting to note, too, uh, there's a winery in Cincinnati that is uh, sources its uh, grapes all from Isle St. George. You can see that on all their bottles whenever you get. I can't think of the winery right now. Uh, great people. They were building a thing up. They sell supplies there too, which is always nice. Um, it's primarily in that area: Riesling, Gewurztraminer, Chardonnay, uh, Catawba, and Delaware. Uh, actually, no wineries in that ABA, but they do source out to other areas that the wineries are. Next one, Loramie, I think it's L-O-R-A-M-I-E, Loramie Creek. This was found in 1982. It's 3,600 acres, and it's noted for its red wines made from French-American hybrid, a Baca Noir. Uh, there are no operating wineries in the region, but they do source out the wineries, other wineries in the area, and uh, they have a winery in Columbus, I believe. There's a winery in Columbus that sources all the grapes from there. The Ohio River Valley. Okay, this is the uh, this is the fifth one, the last one in there. And the Ohio River Valley, along the southern area of the states. 15 million acre Ohio River Valley is the second largest wine appellation in the United States. Uh, it's running along the encampment of the Ohio River through West Virginia, Ohio, Indiana, and Kentucky. And because of the floods and all that that they get from the Ohio River Valley over the years and stuff before they started to dam it up, great soil, great areas to grow. There are 16 wineries within the AVA in Ohio, along the Ohio River Valley. There are eight just outside the border. Uh, went to three or four wineries down in that area a few years ago. Uh, great little wineries. All of them are small, but they really take pride. One of them was in a restaurant, the basement of a restaurant, and they were right on the river. I mean, you could have stood on the back porch and 
throwing a rock and landed in the river. And I don't care who you are. That's a close way. You could have thrown a rock and got it in the river. Uh, so nice little place, nice little uh, wineries there, all up and down the area there. And uh, some of the nice wines, really some interesting wines with some great flavors. And so uh, they are doing in the Ohio River Valley, they're doing uh, some Pinot Noir hybrids, and that's why actually most Pinot Noirs are hybrids if you really think about it. So, but the Ohio River Valley is another very popular one, and they're doing great work with uh, hybrids and with the uh, vinifera family and native grapes and all sorts of stuff all through Ohio. Big area, of a lot of wineries there. Like I said, there's there's over what did I say? Over 300. Are yeah over 300 wineries in Ohio now, so it has exploded as has the whole country. If you really want to look at it, next one they're saying that people are overlooking here is the Colorado on the north end of Breckenridge, one of Colorado's largest and most celebrated ski towns, is a tasting room for the Continental Divide Winery where people are always passing through and uh, sampling wines. Um, the production facility is located uh, in Fair Play. The Continental Divine Winery uh, touts itself as being the highest elevation winery in the country. It make a dry reasoning, um, or low, that they're saying it's elegant and bright, and with a lot of soft red fruits and soft tannins, and a relatively newcomer, uh, the wine joins a handful of other Colorado tasting rooms that have sprung up in the Breckenridge uh, over recent years. Uh, most of Colorado's 140 wineries are actually scattered along the front ridge of the Rocky Mountains where Denver, Boulder, and Colorado Springs are located. You know, so the, the Western Ridge, uh, we've talked to wineries in the past on the Western Ridge in that area where they cut down apple trees and planted grapevines. But this, they're talking about the front ridge here, which is the Denver side of it. And it's, uh, they've been, Colorado's been producing wine since 1890 when uh, the governor, uh, George Crawford, planted grapevines in western Colorado. Uh, actually, they're now known more for Fruit trees, like they say here, including peaches and oranges, but a lot of grapevines are in that area. They've cut down the the trees and putting up grapevines. Although this article is new, it's only came out about a week ago. No, take that back. It's been three weeks now. Three weeks ago. Uh, ooh, let's see. Today there are more than 1,000 acres of vineyard plantings and 140 licensed wineries in the state. Uh, a lot of those are cider wineries or meteries, but they are all falling under the winery license category. Uh, produces, the state overall produces over 150,000 cases annually. The reason Colorado is really favored is because of the elevation. It's just 4,000 to 7,000 feet, and it's some of the highest in the world for vineyards. Uh, second only to Argentina and Bolivia. So they're getting that high elevation and 
a drier climate, which keeps down disease, and it also gives you a lot of sunshine and, and a good growing season. And because of the east facing the front, what do they call it, the front ridge? I just said it, and I just forgot what, what it's called here. Uh, front range, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Because of the front range, it uh, provides for late spring falls, uh, uh, avoiding the late spring falls quite often. So it is good for that. The uh, doesn't list any AVAs for Colorado, though. That's surprising. I thought there was Western Slope. I thought was some AVAs. Oh, here we go. Two official AVAs where more than 90% of the state's grapes come from. The largest is Grand Valley, which amounts uh, accounts for 80% of the grapes grown in Colorado. Grand Valley is located on the western slopes of Rocky Mountains between Palisade and Grand Junction. And uh, the vineyard elevation says primarily at 4,500 feet. And it offers a warmth to the valley and cool breezes from Colorado River and and so uh, keeps the air flowing through the eastern vineyards and all that. And uh, what's the other one? It's not telling me the other one here. Mm. Oh, here it is. No, it isn't. Oh, here it is. West Elks AVA. Uh, significantly smaller region that accounts for about 10% of Colorado grape production. These elevations jump up higher, 5,500 feet. And they, uh, well, let's see, they said, how much was the other AVA? How much? Uh, 90% of the grapes derived from the first one, Grand Valley, so 10%. The rest of them come from uh, Lex Elks AVA. Uh, this is between Hotchkiss and Paonia along the North Fork of the Gunnison River. That doesn't tell me anything. Maybe it does you. Uh, because of the elevation, they're primarily growing Riesling's Gewurztraminer, Pinot Grigio, and some Pinot Noir Chardonnay in that area. Uh, some elegant Riesling, some really some high award-winning Rieslings are coming out of there now. Uh, there's a couple of other regions uh, in uh, south central Colorado near Canyon City and the far southwest part of the state near the Montezuma and the Four Corners region. Uh, Sutcliffe Vineyards is there and they do a Bordeaux and Rhone grapes of uh, high elevation again, 5,000 feet. Uh, a great wine growing region in Colorado and some great wines coming out of there. I've had a chance to taste some Colorado wines and they are really, really great. Last one here that you probably don't think about if you're going to jump out and buy some wines and is the Idaho growing region. They're not just potatoes. You're not going to just get the, the russets coming out of Idaho. But on the western side of the state of Idaho, on the eastern borders of Oregon and Washington, there are two wine regions in Idaho that have 
uh, emerged, and they are really showing a lot of promise. Uh, the prime vineyard land in eastern Washington, Oregon, uh, is just right across the border, so it only makes sense that Idaho could pick up on the same geological events and um, weather that is just right across the state line, which, you know, there's really no state line as far as that is concerned. Uh, Idaho wineries have increased from 38 to 52 over the last 10 years. Uh, though they do purchase a lot of Washington and Oregon grapes to supplement, they don't grow enough. There's only 1,300 acres of vineyard planted within the state as of right now. But again, I've said this before on the program. I will bring this up again. If you have the money and you want to get into the growing business, just about any state in the nation will embrace you if you want to come in and plant vineyards and grow. Uh, land is significantly less expensive in, in Idaho than it is over in Washington, Oregon. There's plenty of water and the climate is ideal uh, comparable to the Washington's Columbia Valley. Uh, Idaho experiences four full seasons. Uh, it's not just cold winters, uh, but uh, it's actually the winters allow for the vines to fully rest and get free of pests before bud break comes out. And most of the vines planted there on their own rootstock is not being affected by phylloxera up there. Uh, the grapes get lots of sunshine and nice, balanced, cool evenings. And it's really coming out with some great, great wine. Uh, low participation helps keep the grapevines high and dry. And uh, the uh, Snake River Plain Aquifer is enough to irrigate all that you need. They are planted in Riesling, Chardonnay, Pinot Gris, Cabernet Sauvignon, and Merlot. And I've also looking at some Ronin Spanish varieties, which is a possibility to come out with something a little bit different. The uh, most Idaho vineyards are planted within the Snake Valley AVA. So there is an AVA there, the Snake Valley AVA, uh, which is about 8,000 square miles in southwest portion of the state uh, along the Snake River. And it, also the Snake River AVA covers uh, two counties in eastern Oregon. Uh, it's over a old volca a volcanic basalt lake covered with uh, windblown low soil and uh, elevation of 2,500 to 3,000 feet. And it's a home to 1,125 acres of vineyards. So uh, it's uh, considered continental because of the location and how it is uh, laid out, the AVA in that area there. And there's lots of other stuff going on in Oregon. Uh, the um, lot of the, the uh, Sawtooth Vineyard is 70-acre vineyard uh, for Sawtooth Winery. It is uh, setting at uh, 2,700 feet. They're coming out with Rosanne, Pinot Gris, Syrah, and Tempranillo. Uh, other wineries in the area are also planting those grapes along with some Cabernet, Pinot Noir, and uh, a, a variety of other grapes. Uh, within the Snake River Valley, 
there is an AVA, the Eagles Foothill AVA, which is just north of Boise and encompasses nearly 50,000 acres. Uh, this was approved just in 2015. This is uh, influenced by the nearby Pros, uh, Prospect Peak. Uh, 50, uh, 67 vineyard acres planted within the region, 50 of them are owned by three horse ranch vineyards. This is one of the state's largest producers. You can find three horse ranch wine, I think, uh, or something from that area there. I've seen it before. And uh, further along, north along the southern tip of the Washington border, the Lewis-Clark Valley is the state's newest AVA, which was official in April 2016. Uh, 479 square miles, 80 acres of vineyards. Uh, the, the topography is from Snake River Valley with some uh, deep canyons and uh, some of the tributaries from the Snake River. So uh, those are the three AVAs. Yes, those are the three AVAs from there. There's uh, a lot of Tempranillo, Syrah, Sangiovese, Merlot, and Cabernet Franc being planted along the uh, the last AVA there, the uh, Eagle Foothills uh, AVA. So if you're looking for something different, looking for something new, looking for something that uh, you haven't had, looking for something that is going to uh, give you an enjoyment and probably cheaper and get some good wines. Check those out. Colorado, Idaho, Ohio, and Virginia. Uh, and we will get back to Virginia, too. I need to start talking to them more. But all those are just some fantastic regions there and some fantastic wines. Uh, yeah. And... I think that should do us for tonight. Wow. Okay. Well, I've been sending out the usual stuff, doing my research. <laughs> um, hey, good. Yeah, I found, found three horse uh, Eagle Foothills wines, three horse ranch vineyards, Eagle, Idaho. Oh. Um, they're closed. But, uh, <laughs> they're closed? They'll be open Friday. Well, they'll, they'll be open okay. Friday. But, yeah. <laughs> The clothes now. I thought they were clothes clothes, like Florida State <laughs> Winery is clothes clothes. And I was going, whoa, wait a no, minute. No, yeah. no. Um, no, I didn't see that. But, um, yeah, so, um, God, there was something else I was going to bring up, and I forgot. Oh, well. Uh, well. It'll come to me about next Wednesday or so. Uh, yeah. We'll, uh, <laughs> that always happens. We will, speaking of next week, we will be back on November 15th at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Time and uh, with another edition of uh, All About Wine. So uh, we'll go ahead and close the show for this week. And uh, thank you to everybody for tuning in. And if you would like to be a guest on the show, uh, be sure to, or you have comments or questions, uh, be sure to email Ron anytime. And the email address is allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. Um, that is, uh, if you'd like to be a guest, uh, you have questions, comments about the shows, uh, anything you want to hear about in the future, uh, because we have uh, mentioned uh, emails and, and topics uh, based on, on the emails. So um, yeah, send an email to, to them, and, and uh, we'll see what we can do for an upcoming show. It's always, uh, always a good, good thing to do. So email allaboutwine101 at gmail.com. 
Okay. Yep. <laughs> we'll uh, end the show. We'll see you all next week. Uh, thanks again. And um, have a great weekend and a week. And um, be safe. And um, yep. man, just warm if you're, if you're northern tier of the country or actually anything outside of Florida dress warm (laughs) (laughs) next Tuesday next Tuesday night it's supposed to be cold here so yeah yes yes that's right we're supposed to get a a close volume yeah well they're Tampa it's supposed to hit 58 uh, Wednesday night wow oh I just, you know, just talking about it, I'm already just a little shiver here. So. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks a lot for tuning in. And um, <laughs> enjoy the show on the archives if you're listening to us on the right. we'll yeah. Bye. Thanks a lot for listening. Be safe. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.